Hey, I'm Emma. Hey, I'm Zoe. And we're roommates who read. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of Roommates Who Read. Hey. Thanks, Peanut Gallery. <laughs> this week, we're going to be finishing off um, the second Crescent City book, A House of Sky and Breath. As a reminder, we're picking up at the end of chapter 36. Yes. So open your books. Get flipping. It's roughly a little less than halfway through. Oh, I'm so glad you gave us the bigger <laughs> episode on the hind end. <laughs> Look, it was a lot. <laughs> So, Emma, uh, what are we drinking for this week's episode? This week we went a little rogue, like our revelations. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we are drinking, actually, I made two drinks. I had an idea that we should do an Agent Daybright drink and an Agent Night drink. So, the Agent Daybright has two ounces of orange juice, an ounce and a half of Aperol, three quarters ounce of palm juice, pomegranate juice. I don't know. <laughs> why why did you say that? I don't know. <laughs> and then a half ounce of simple syrup. Uh, and then the Agent Night drink is two ounces of Empress Gin, three quarters ounce of lemon juice, maybe a little bit less, and then a half an ounce of honey simple syrup, which is just like regular simple syrup, but instead of doing one to one sugar and water, you do one to one sugar or honey and water. What if it was just sugar and honey? <laughs> oh God, it was like molasses. I will say, as the the current drinker of the Agent Daybreak drink, it's delicious. Also. It's got ice in it, so if you hear the rattle. The night drink is also really good. I feel like they match our drink energies. Oh, yeah, because I don't like the night drink. I you know. Hold on. I just had a thought while I was taking my sip. Yes? The fact that you like that makes a lot of sense why you like IPAs. What does that mean? <laughs> They're both bitter. I love bitter things. It's I don't just, like But I also things. have a huge sweet tooth. I don't know how to reconcile the I only like bitter coffee. I don't want bitter anything else. See, and I want a sweet coffee. <laughs> I also like the day drink. I just, I love a little gin cocktail. A little gin martini. This all makes sense. It's all coming. It's all coming around in my brain. Leave my drink preferences alone. I will not. Anyways, the drinks are supposed to be, like, fiery because Agent Daybright is encapsulated in fire. And encapsulated? Close. <laughs> SAT word out here. <laughs> was a big horror. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that. And then the Agent Night drink is supposed to be like purple, like Twilight for Rune Boy. Is he encapsulated in Twilight? Yeah, filled with galaxies and stars. Wow. <laughs> That's deep. What are you reading this week, bitch? I am almost done with Anastasia by Sophie Lark. I'm proud of you. Let me tell you, it has taken an absolute fucking turn. Oh. Um, I won't elaborate for the sake of time and for anyone who might want to read the book, but, like, I was reading. I wasn't exactly sure where we were going, but I knew that that Rasputin character, he's shady, right? Rasputin's always shady. Famously so. <laughs> and, but then... We just went into left fucking field, and I didn't I mean, see it it's coming. it's 900 pages, or better be some twists and turns. Yeah, yeah. It just, it wasn't like a, a nice fear into left field. It was like, oh. skirt! <laughs> That's how I felt when I read it. Okay. <laughs> what are you reading this week? Um, not that. <laughs> I'm reading a little romance book. It's called Those Who Wait by Hallie Katz. It's a lesbian romance book. I just started it last night. I'm like... 60 pages in maybe it's 
almost 600 pages. Oh my god. So I'm expecting it to be a slow burn, which is not really my type of romance book that I want to read. So, review impending. Incoming. My my vocab is not correct tonight. Ooh, take another sip of that drink, Egba. It's gonna be a rough few hours for us. Please just kill me now. (laughs) Okay, everyone. We are coming up to the end of Crescent City 2. I feel like this is like a penultimate episode, not in real life, but just building we've been building to the crescent city theories since we started this podcast and this is the episode before the theories Woo! <laughs> um like always as you know this episode we're gonna do a little character overview we're gonna do a plot recap and then we're gonna do a reaction segment okay let's get into the characters so there are no new characters Ooh. but Party. I'm gonna recap you our um, our main peeps so that you can focus in on them. Mm-hmm. We have Bryce. If you don't know who Bryce is at this point, rewind. I'm really concerned. <laughs> Hunt again. If you don't know who Hunt is, you should know all of these people. Let's very go back well. to the beginning. <laughs> um, we have Rune. Then we have Therian, who is Merman. Mm-hmm. Ethan, who is Connor's younger brother. Wolfman. Merman. Wolfman. Mothman. Mothman. Unfortunately, Mothman is not a character, <laughs> but I would like to suggest that to Ed Stam in the future. Could one of the angels be Mothman? Hunted Mothman! <laughs> okay, pulled together. Sorry. You know how I feel about Mothman. I know. Where was I? Ethan? <laughs> Wolfman. <laughs> Ethan. Cormac, Cormac. who Spice is... Man. Spice Man. Uh, Cormac is Bryce's betrothed yeah, another and Rune's cousin. Then we have Celestina. She's the new Governess. governor. Then we have Pollux, also known as the Hammer. He's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop there. Um, we have Baxian, or the Hound. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Autumn King. And we have Aedas, the Prince of Hell. We also have Lydia slash the Hind. I forgot to put her in here. I was wondering about yeah, that. I'm... I was wondering if I should add that, or but thanks for doing that. Yeah, thanks. She was unintentionally left out. Wow, apparently last and least. <laughs> we also yeah. have Hypaxia. Yeah. There were just so many people yeah. that I could have put. The if, Viper Queen. Yeah. There's so many minor characters. This plot, again, she's a tangled web. But apparently it has Mothman in it, so everything's apparently. fine with me now. We say this every episode for the past, like, six episodes, but this is going to be a long episode. I want you to know that this plot summary was seven pages long. We've got it down to probably five. Yeah. I am a long-winded person to my core. Which so is something that I really... Um, it's a flaw for my science par- character. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say it's something I don't like about you, but... <laughs> I won't say it's something I like about you either. Right. Thank you. <laughs> either do my reviewers. <laughs> or my boss. <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be a long episode, even if we don't talk about Emma's flaws in her career. Yeah, I'll have to overcome that. So where we left off at the end of the last episode was up through the end of chapter 36. And this was right before the betrothal ceremony, preparations for Celestina and Ephiram, who are both archangels. Why are you giving me a face? Well, first of all, my face is partly because when I said I was fine with pulp orange juice. Apparently I'm not. But (laughs) second is, um, I think it's Ephraim. Whatever. Okay. And Mordok and... The Hind slash Lydia are back 
back in town. The boys are back. Uh, Bryce and Hunt just fought the underking, and they learned the whole gist about the second light, and Ethan is really worried about Connor's soul, and he wants some answers. That's kind of how chapter 36 ends. So, Ethan wants to go to the Bone Quarter, aka for the answers, and... Because that went so well for exactly. everyone else. And Darian's like, no, you stupid bitch, that's a bad idea. Did you not listen to the whole story? And so, uh, they're talking about it, and Ethan's just really worried about Connor's soul, and Darian's like, I have a slightly less bad idea. Let's go see the Mystics. And do you remember the Mystics? No. That's what I figured. I remember that they're weird. Yeah. So the mystics are known within Crescent City for being shady, and they use some really dark methods to see what's going on in the world. So they're not necessarily looking at the future or the past. Like, the oracles look to the future, but this is, like, a way to connect with other people in different parts of the world. So they go to this mystic place, and they pay this guy called the Astronomer, which is weird. Yeah. And he has... So the mystics are... A type of veneer within Crescent City. Different veneer can have the mystic trait, and it's kind of rare. And so their families usually like sell them off to people like the astronomer to be used as mystics, but they exist in this like salt bath basically and have these respirators and they can connect to different parts of the world. Anyways, can you imagine if your family sold you off to be a mystic? Yeah. That'd be kind of shitty. So Bryce, Therian, and Ethan go to see the mystic. And they pay him, like, an obscene amount of money. They ha- One of the mystics, they want him to connect to Connor. And so he ends up accidentally connecting with the Prince of the Ravine in hell. Another Prince of Hell. Yeah, there are seven of them, famously. And No way. <laughs> the Prince is really pissed why they're asking... I feel like the Princes of Hell are really, like, touchy. They you are. know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think if you were a Prince of Hell, you would be kind of pissed most of the time. Yeah, but it's like... Oh, why are you talking to me? Like, but that's then they the vibe I get. Want to the bother them on their? It's like only at their yeah. convenience. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know, men. Men. <laughs> that's the answer. So he's just pissed that they're contacting him, and for retribution, he decides to try and steal the mystic's soul. And so the room gets really cold, and then he shuts off the oxygen monitor, so like the mystics and the, all, the mystic that's communing with with him. And the other two in the tank are drowning and, like, their tanks freeze over. So Ethan, like, busts them out. And then the astronomer's pissed that he pulled them out. And it's just this whole situation. And It was a shit show. That's what it comes out as. talk to Connor. But he's Danica's dad. We talked about this. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I she- just think that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It has implications. And he's a bloodhound. Yeah. So they don't want him to get their scent. That's just a bad idea. Yeah. You they don't want, want him to know who you are. Exactly. A few weeks later, Bryce, Rune, and Cormac are all training together, and Cormac is trying to teach Bryce how to teleport, aka winnow, kind of, and how to call on shadows. Declan, who is one of Rune's friends slash roommates, calls them while they're at training to say that he has new footage of Danica from the gallery, and she was looking through a book that was called Through Time, Lineage of the Shifters. So they all call Jessica to see if she still has the book, and Jessica sends Bryce an excerpt. So the book is a family tree that goes back to when the Northern Rift was opened 15,000 years ago. And so they, Bryce and Rune and the gang, Mm -hmm. the mystery gang, (laughs) they go to talk to the Wolf Prime for more answers. The Wolf Prime is Danica's grandfather and kind of the head of the the Wolf Shifter clan. So he tells them that his first ancestors' names had been forgotten because they lost their true nature during the first wars. And he says... 
We have the collar of the Asteria around our necks. We do not know how to get back to what we were before. But he thought that Danica might be able to bring them back to that. Yeah. Which is why he wanted Danica over Sabine. Right. To be the next prime after he died. After this, Cormac finds out that the rebels attacked the train. Mm-hmm. And they were able to steal um, the high-tech suits from the Asteri. And they're being sent to Pippa's group. Pippa's a different rebel leader. Mm-hmm. But Cormac wants to intervene and stop them from getting them. So after they learn all this, Rune contacts Day to tell them about their plans to steal the suits from Pippa. And there's a bit of flirty banter between Agent Day and Agent Knight. And Rune is growing curious about who she is. And Day is kind of just suspicious of their whole plan. And she's worried that Pippa is setting a trap to either hurt Cormac or to, like, capture Bryce and Rune. She's just wary of the whole plan. And during the conversation, um, Day's connection is slightly broken and Rune goes to help her. Like he reaches out for her and like tries to touch her across the bridge and gets these visions of her like having really rough, semi-non-consensual sex and is just really freaked out about it. So he ends up staying on their like mental bridge connection until she comes back just to make sure that she's okay. And Day, they, Rune has a conversation with her about it and Day is... And Day makes it seem like she doesn't want to be with him, but is kind of forced to be with him. So we're learning a little bit more about her. lover, her. not Rune. Yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying. It comes time for them to steal the rebel suits, and Cormac teleports everyone to this island where they're being sent or held. Um, and he tells Pippa that they're... Because Cormac is still technically working with Pippa, so they're trying to keep up these appearances. And Cormac tells Pippa that they're there to help and that they want Hunt to inspect the suits because Hunt was around during the first war and there was like an older version of this or not the first war during his rebellion with the Assyri the Assyri had something similar then so uh, Cormac wants to kind of compare the, te- the technology and thinks that Hunt would be a good way to do that so Pippa tells them that she wants the suits for the humans um, and she basically tries to kill all of them to steal the suits and to essentially get prevent the information from getting out and Hunt electrocutes one of the suits and blows it up and then like Everything starts blowing up. It's like a chain reaction. Things are not going well. Uh, they're kind of fighting with Pippa. There's some, like, gunfire. Someone, Cormac gets shot. Baxian shows up in his dog form. His hound form. <laughs> and, <laughs> and tells them to hurry because the hind and the harpy are almost there. So, bad news. Bryce blinds a bunch of people with her starborn power. And they jump on a boat to try and escape. But they're obviously, like, can't take the boat all the way back. They just need to get out and yeah. escape. The Hind and the Harpy show up on jet skis. Jet skis? <laughs> which is, feels like a James Bond movie. And they threaten to, uh, uh, to out-hunt as a rebel again. That would her. be bad. <laughs> yeah. And then a submarine appears. And... <laughs> submarine. I know. And our little Mary Mystery Gang escapes onto the sub. I like that you also want to call them the Mystery Gang There are now. too many people to be like, it's Rice and Hunt. Rice? Rice? <laughs> That's their couple name. <laughs> No, that's literally just Bryce without the beat. <laughs> it's a silent age. <laughs> so when the mystery gang gets on the sub, heist. <laughs> Sorry, together. Oh, it's Quinlard. That's their. <laughs> that's, their that's their name. That's their couple name. That's true. <laughs> nice. Good work, team. <laughs> mystery gang. They got on the submarine. Yeah. And you know who has the submarine? Who has the submarine? The Ocean Corp. Dun, dun, dun. The who? The ocean court. So, like, Therian is from the river court, 
There are a bunch of marred courts across the planet of Midgard, and the ocean port is one of them. And they apparently had this super secret spy submarine. <laughs> and they are of like... Of course they do. <laughs> of course. Why not? And they're like, hi, we're so glad that you called. And they're like, we didn't call. And they're like, yeah, you alerted us. And I'm like, no, I didn't, but okay. Which is why they showed up in the first place. They thought it was just like luck that they figured it out. And right... Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Bryce thinks that her blasting her star power may have been what called them. So that's what they kind of chalked it up to. When they get on the sub, Hunt is freaking the fuck out. <laughs> He's got like lightning coursing off of him. He's just unsettled. I feel like he just went through something. You he, know? Well, he was really worried about Bryce being hurt. I just feel like it was a stressful experience all around. Yeah. So Rune is freaked out by Hunt being freaked out. <laughs> and my, he's like, you're going to blow this shit up. Um, and mine speaks to Bryce and says that this is how Bryce was at the, or, god damn it, this is how Hunt was at the summit before he killed Sandriel, and that he thinks it's because they're mates, like Ooh. true, true mates, and this is how a mate acts when one of, when their mate is threatened. And they kind of have this little, com- Bryce and uh, Rune have this little conversation back and forth in their minds, and she's like, oh, well, we were just using the term mates, and he's like, no, like, I legit think y'all are mates in the way that Faye are mates. In order to calm Hunt down, Bryce takes him to a different part of the submarine, and they have sex for the first time. Once again, <laughs> he's zapping her. And you know how I feel about that if you listen to the last episode. It's not as obvious. It's not as blatant as the first time. It felt blatant. While they're getting down with it, <laughs> their magics start to merge. Yeah. And they teleport to the airlock of the submarine. Yeah. They, yeah. While they're... Doing the deed. Getting down and Well, after they just finished. Is yeah. that, like, the climax? Well, you know, crazy things happen. <laughs> and Bryce describes the feeling as falling through time and space and light and shadow. Weird. Weird. Cormac thinks that their combined power was the reason that Bryce could teleport, and they might have a ton of abilities if they would just combine their power like they did during their fight in the bone corner. Mm-hmm. So then the ocean commander comes in. Hold on. Sorry, this is an aside. Are they wearing clothes yet? When the ocean commander comes I think in? they were like hardcore fucking, so there were no there was minimal stripping happening. Oh, see, I imagined them both butt ass naked and that just made it more uncomfortable. Well, you know they I mean? end up in the airlock and they're like, How did we get how did we get here? And then they kind of compose themselves and then they leave to find everyone else. Mm, okay. So it's not like they stumble upon them okay. in the airlock. So probably clothed. Yeah. I just wanted to paint the yeah. scene in my mind. So the ocean commander comes in and tells them that they've recovered Sophie's body. Rewind. Remember who Sophie is. Yeah. They got a summoning call from another rebel to help rescue her, but when they had gotten to where she was, she had already drowned. Sadly. The commander shows them pictures of her upper arms where Sophie had a bunch of numbers and letters carved on them, and the commander thinks she did it as she was drowning. So after all of the shit goes down, and they're on the submarine, Day checks in with Rune to see if he's okay, and Day reveals that she thinks Pippa is a bit of a fanatic, but Day wants to take down the Asteri, and she doesn't really have a better way to do it, so that's why she's sticking with Pippa and the Rebel group, but she doesn't necessarily agree with Pippa's methods. Um, after they get back to Crescent City, Baxian comes to talk to them because he was obviously there, and he tells him that he wants in um, to their little Rebel group, and after everything that happened, like, they should be able to trust him because he saved their asses from the hide and the harpy. And no one in the group is really on board. They don't really trust Baxian, especially Hunt, and he's kind of like, hell no. 
And then Vaxian storms out of Bryce's apartment and tells them when they want real answers to come talk to him, which is just ominous. Bryce ends up sending Emile to go live with her parents, which she's been, like, masterminding for mm-hmm. a few months. She's been arranging it. Yeah. Hypaxia shows up at Rune's house asking for a member of... Hold on, actually, before we move on, mm-hmm. I just want to say how anticlimactic the end of that little plot yeah, point Yeah, the is. Emile story... Well, it's actually really sweet because Ember and Randall, like, adopt Emile, which is just very cute. It is sweet. It's just like, we're looking for this kid. I've known where the kid is the whole time, and I'm making him go live with my parents. Okay, bye. Yeah. Like, anyways. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, we're done with that now. So Hypaxia shows up at Rune's house, and she asks for a member of his royal guard to protect her while she's staying at the witch embassy because she doesn't trust the rest of her coven. Yeah, for the marriage ceremony. Yes. And Hypaxia is worried that they'll that her coven will try to replace her with Lydia behind because Lydia is more similar to their mother, and they don't the coven doesn't want a necromancer. Rune offers up Ethan to guard Hypaxia because he needs help from a necromancer to find out more about Connor. Yeah, and Hypaxia agrees to help the to help Ethan, but she can only do her ritual on the um, autumnal equinox, which is when the veil is thinnest. Mm-hmm. She has to start acting like a princess, and he's legally having her last name changed to Danan, mm-hmm. like Brunes, um, yeah. as opposed to Quinlan, which Bryce is not happy about. No. So Day contacts Rune and tells him that they should meet at the fountain at midnight um, at the meeting ball for Celestina because she'll be in um, Crescent City and she wants to meet him, and he agrees. So two weeks later, it's the time. It's a uh, time for the ball, and the ball is a masquerade, which. As a level of secrecy for their meeting, too. So Rune goes with Hypaxia because they're betrothed or they're engaged. But he's only thinking about Day the whole time and he feels kind of guilty because he still thinks Hypaxia is cute. But there's just been no, like, further movement along that front. And things with Day are a little flirté. Yeah. And Bryce comes in. She comes with both Hunt and Cormac and her and Cormac walk in together. But then she pulls Bryce up and it's like, Hunt. Yes, sorry. (laughs) Words are not it today. Bryce announces that Hunt um, is her mate, basically annulling her engagement to Cormac in front of literally everyone, blindsiding both her dad and Cormac and Hunt. Um, Blindsiding literally everyone but Bryce. Yeah. (laughs) What's new? Do you know who this kind of reminds me of? Danica? No. Aelin. Aelin would do something like this. And Celestina blesses their relationship in front of everyone, so it's official. There's no going back now. Uh, during the masquerade, Hypaxia goes off to meet her sister, Lydia, slash the Hind, for the first time. They've actually, like, never met each other. And Rune is the one to point her out to Hypaxia before he's supposed to sneak off and meet Day. So he's like, here, go talk to your sister. Gotta go. Uh, Wonderful family reunion. (laughs) I have somewhere to be. Yeah. Rune goes off to the fountain to meet Day, and the person standing by the fountain is the Harpy, which whoa you so he walks up to her and he calls her day he's like hello day something like that and she's like what are you talking about rune gets spooked and runs off he's like this can't be right you know something's happened that's not her and he's worried about blowing his cover additionally while this is all happening bryce and hunt sneak off to the coat closet for a little midnight tryst Ooh, the coat closet <laughs> and when they open the door they, they find, find another midnight tryst who is hypaxia and celestina whoa yeah let me tell when i read that i was like oh <laughs> there it is 
so that explains why Hypaxia is not that interested in Rune. And why Celestina wasn't really jazzed about her marriage. Yeah. Bryce says that she won't tell anyone. Hun, it's just so awkward during this whole thing. Can you imagine finding your mate's brother's fiance and your boss? Yeah. Like, like tops down, making out. Yeah, in the clo- coat closet at yeah. your boss's wedding? Yeah, at <laughs> your boss's wedding. <laughs> not to her? Yeah. Also that night, Apollyon visits Bryce in her dream after the party, telling her that Adis is busy raising Hell's armies to invade Midgard. He tells Bryce that Thea was Adis's great love, which is why he killed Pelias, 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 um, and devoured Sirius for his brother. Apollyon says that the princes of Hell have allied themselves, or had allied themselves with Thea and her forces against the Asterian, and the real reason that Peleus killed Thea is because she was fighting against the Asteri. And he wants Bryce to have Hunt activate the, the not the thorn, the horn, <laughs> and open the door between Hell and Midgard, and she refuses. And he leaves by saying, come find me in Hell when you learn the truth. The next morning, Hypaxia and Ethan rush into the Ox Training Center, where everyone is, and Ethan tells them that the Underking wants to meet them at Erd's Temple. And if Bryce doesn't go within the next hour, he'll put Connor and the rest of the pack of devils through the bone gate. So Bryce and the mystery gang go to the temple <laughs> and the underking is sitting on the throne and he goes into this whole rant. Again, I'm still picturing him as Hades from Hercules. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> Especially as he's going on this rant. Yeah. He goes on to a whole rant talking about a time when Erd was not a goddess of fate, but a force winding between worlds. When she was a vat of life, a mother to all, a secret language of the universe, and the Fae worshipped her then. <laughs> and at this time, Pippa and the Bitch Squad... <laughs> Thank you for reading my notes exactly <laughs> yep. as I wanted. Pippa and the Bitch Squad roll up to the temple, and a fight ensues, and Bryce is able to teleport out Hunt and Rune, but doesn't have enough energy to get herself back up. Yeah. Out. So they figured that Bryce is semi like a conduit of power, so as the fighting is happening... Hunt sends a blast of his power into Bryce, which is enough to, basically, enough juice to allow her to teleport. Like a battery. Yeah, she, like, teleports Hunt out, and then she goes back, teleports Rune out, but she doesn't have enough power to get herself back out. So then Mordok shows up, and they're like, oh, shit. But then Baxian comes in to help Bryce escape through secret tunnels. At this time, Bryce notices the quote, through love, all is possible. In Danica's written in Danica's handwriting, yeah. tattooed on Tabaxian. Yeah. And Bryce is like, "What the fuck?" Baxian tells Bryce that Danica was his mate. What the fuck is literally? Happening? Yes. Anyways, Bryce is pissed to say the least. Yeah. Another thing that Bryce, Bryce did, did not know about Danica, yes. and she doesn't believe him at first. But the more they talk about it, the more she's like, "Oh shit." Yeah. This does kind of make sense. Baxian tells her, like, this timeline of everything, and Bryce puts it together, and she's like, this this does make sense. Yeah. After that whole conversation about Danica, Bryce shows Baxian um, the numbers that had been carved into Sophie's arms, and Baxian says that Sophie got the numbers from Danica because Baxian gave Danica the numbers. Such a, a string of lies. And they are, they, like reference a room in the Asteri's Eternal City. Mm-hmm. In the archives within the Crystal Palace. Right. Specifically. Baxian says that Danica was obsessed with what was in the room and she got Sophie involved because the Asteri were already suspicious of Danica so she got Sophie to start investigating. Mm-hmm. They share the information with the mystery gang 
and they get Declan to look into it. And he gets into the Asteria's camera system, which you'd think it would be harder to do. Let's be real. He says he can't get into the archives, but he can get into the camera system. Right. He makes this, like, whole joke about it. He finds footage of Sophie entering and exiting the room yeah. that's referenced. It's almost like they wanted him to find it. <laughs> if you think about it. We'll get to that later. <laughs> so, after this whole revelation and all these conversations with Faxian, Bryce talks to Fury because Fury's been to the Crystal Palace. And uh, Fury agrees to help Bryce get a layout of everything so that they can plan a little heist. Uh, Ethan then goes to the Prime uh, to talk about the wolf mystic because he noticed um, when they were there that one of the wolves in the, like, mystic's baths was... One of the mystics in in the the bath. bath Was a wolf shifter, and Ethan had a conversation with her, and he thinks that she might be an alpha. So Ethan makes this whole plea because, like, he thinks that he has a duty to another wolf to help her out and, like, save her from this horrible life that she's living. The Prime asks Ethan what she smells like, and Ethan describes it to her, to him, and the Prime says that Sabine is not the only heir to the wolf shifters, and that this could be a long-lost wolf shifter heir, which could cause some drama. Can can you imagine Sabine thinking she's finally (laughs) got everything, like, lined up for her heiress ship? And then Connor or uh, Ethan is like, hey, I found this girl in the water at the Mystics. And the Prime is like, it's not Sabine. Day and Rune make contact again. And she tells him that the male she's involved with is brutal. And that if he figures out what's going on between them, that he would kill Rune. Rune's like, I'll always love you. I'll never stop fighting for you. And then they have mind sex. But the, it's not like mind sex. They, have, they have sex have- with their non-corporeal forms in their mind bridge it's so weird i reread it when i was doing this and it was kind of sweet it was sweet but i was like what the fuck am i reading right now yeah it was weird and she also like uncloaked all of her body minus her face yeah because rune has already been appearing uncloaked because she already knew who rune was anyways it was a whole thing so she's got like her whole body going on except she's got like flame face yeah, but it's like he can see her features, but they're still covered in fire. But, like, not enough to know who she is. Right. Anyways, when they're doing the deed, Rune thinks to himself... The mind deed. <laughs> how right it feels and how he's finally feels at home. And I'm like, are they mates? Question mark? Store that away. Either before or after they have sex. Unclear. Rune tells her that they're going to break into... Oh, it's after. Rune tells her that they're going to break into the Assyri archives and she's not on board in this plan, with this plan saying that the Assyri are going to kill him and, like, whoever goes. Which, you know, she's probably right. And she also, because she knows who Rune is, probably knows who the other people are going to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, They're kind of, like cuddling and having this conversation and a little aftercare the male interrupts them like the one that's been interrupting them before days lover yeah and she says rune they know and then it kind of cuts out and then she says something she just says the dungeon so rune thinks that she might be imprisoned in the Asteri dungeons after talking with day rune goes to the mystery gang mm-hmm. and he wants to expand their plan to break day out of the dungeons and get into the archives and Bryce and Hunt also think this is a stupid-ass, risky plan. Yeah. But they want to get in and out, or they want to get in and out as quickly as possible. Yeah. And part of the plan is to distract the Asteri with an alternate heist that Therian and Cormac are leading. Yeah. 
Bryce is on the move looking for more archives. And she's... Sorry. Pause. Okay. Sure. This is... This whole conversation with Day happens the night before they're supposed to leave. Okay. So it is the next day now, and they travel... They, like... I don't know how they get to the Eternal City, but they travel there, and they leave super early in the morning, and they get there, and they just, like, walk into the Crystal Palace. And this is where the story picks back up. Sorry, I didn't have a clear transition for you. Thanks. That's on me. So Bryce is looking for the archives, and she stumbles upon seven pipes with each of the Asteri's names written on them, and she's very confused. And while she's standing there, a bright light flashes, and then the screen's with, like, all of their names flash, showing the power level of the Asteri. Weird. And she puts together that the Asteri need first light, and the crystal she's standing on is quartz like the gates in Crescent City, making it a conduit of power, and the entire palace is built out of quartz, and they also sit on quartz thrones. Yeah. Also, these are just big logic jumps that she's making, and I'm like, I would have been too stupid to put this together. And then Bryce also realizes that this is what Sophie and Danica figured out, and that the first light that everyone's there that they're mandated to collect during the drop has actually been coming to the Asteri all along, and the second light is also coming to them, and they're it's fueling them. They're the ones munching on light. Yeah, the Asteri are just eating first light and second light and second light. And so Bryce is like, if we could stop this flow of first and second light, we could take down the Asteri. So Hunt and Rune are waiting for Bryce to come back, and Rune is starting to get impatient, so he goes off to look for Day. Chunking. Hunt gets a message from Declan saying that Bryce is still looking around and went into a room called Dusk. Rune, covered in shadows, goes into the dungeons, and it's suspiciously quiet. But then, (laughs) he runs into Mordok. Okay, this next part is a little bit confusing. There are a few chapters that happen sequentially, but in different parts of the chapters, we're jumping between Bryce and Hunt and Rune in the Crystal Palace and Cormac and Therian carrying out their heist on Pippa's lab. So it's going back and forth. So just bear with me. So Rune was just captured by Mordok. Bad. In parentheses, fuck. That's what I wrote. We immediately change scenes to Therian and Cormac showing up to the lab and they're fighting Pippa and it's not going well. Pippa's pissed. Things are not going well. Then we immediately change scenes and go back to Bryce and she enters the room called Dusk. And in this room, she sees a bunch of maps and maps of solar systems with notes covered on it. And, like, different planets have different little tags and notes with it. And so the notes are about these different strange planets with dates and then terms like conquered or terminated on them. And she's suspicious. She's a little bit confused. She's trying to put together what these things mean. Um, And then she finally, like, starts scanning around the room and she sees the note about Midgard. And it says conquered AE 17... 003, so 17,003 years. And she knows that the Asteria conquered Midgard 15,000 years ago. So this date, obviously, she doesn't, she's not familiar with the dating system, but she knows that this happened 15,000 years ago. So she puts together, because there are dates, like the earliest date that she notices is from like 14,000 years or before that. So she knows that the Asteria are like hella old. So she's even more suspicious and like there's this scheme where they're conquering planets or terminating planets and there's all these notes she's trying to figure it out bryce keeps looking around until she finds a note about hell which describes the asteri coming to conquer hell but hell unified its armies against the asteri and kicked them out and the princes of hell learned how to uh slip between realms by capturing asteri generals and then torturing the information out of them 
And then in the notes, it says, says Hell's armies followed the Asteri to Midgard and then went to war, which was we know to be the first war. Bryce is looking around the room. She's trying to find the Asteri's home planet, and she thinks that, you know, if they can conquer the Asteri and they can send them back to their home planet, then maybe they can get rid of them for once and for all. And none other than fucking Regulus shows up. And they have this little, like, tit-for-tat conversation, and Regulus reveals that he wants Bryce slash the horn to open the rifts between worlds once again, and he tells her that Midgard is a base and the Asteri opened up doors to other worlds to lure different magical people, aka the veneer, to Midgard. But Thea and her two daughters figured this out during the first war and realized that there was a portal into the Fey world and tried to shut it, but when they shut it using the horn, they shut the doors to all of the other realms and trapped the Asteri on Midgard, and so the Asteri are separated from the rest of their kind, aka meaning they're more like the Asteri, which bad news. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> no. So Regulus continues his little villain monologue, and he tells Bryce that Danica figured out that the shifters are Fey from a different planet, different from Bryce's Fey ancestors. Who are also from a different planet. Yes, because they were all lured into Midgard by the Asteri. And he says to Bryce that her breed dwelled in a, quote, lovely, verdant land rich with magic, and that her starborn bloodline, quote, specifically hailed from a small island a few miles north of, north of the mainland, and the mainland had all manner of climes, but the isle that her ancestors are from existed in a near beautiful and permanent twilight. Dun, dun, dun. But few from her planet could shift into an animal form. And Bryce thinks that the isle of near, near permanent twilight is aka Dusk, and she's in the Dusk room, which is aka Dusk Truth, which is what Sophie and Danik had been emailing about back in the beginning of the book. Regulus goes on to say that the Midgard shifters were fae from a different planet where all fae um, in that world shared their form with an animal form and that the Mer people are also descended from this group of fae shifters. And Bryce makes a comment about them not having pointed ears in the Regulus says that the Asiri bred that out of them, which is just creepy and yeah. also suspicious. They're having, you know, more conversation and Regulus admits that the Asiri nudged Micah to get rid of Danica and Bryce is obviously distraught about this because you know she thought that Micah did this on her own and then come to realize that the Asteri did it just kind of opening that old wound. Bryce rushes out of the room and she runs into Hunt um, who's handcuffed with these Gorsian stone manacles and if you remember the Gorsian stone uh, nullifies the veneer's powers so he's kind of like hopeless and the person who is shackling him is none other than the harpy so let's go back to therian and cormac for a minute <laughs> our fateful duo cormac is shooting at rebels pippa is shooting at cormac yeah therian is just trying to get the fuck out yeah and cormac stays behind to blow up the lab that they're like fighting with pippa where the tech suits are right yeah. but in the process cormac um does not make it out no, Cormac he, dies. He sacrifices himself for Therian to get out. Yeah. It's sad. And then we flash back to Rune. <laughs> so while this is going on, Rune is chained up in the dungeons with the same Gorsian stones. And then Hunt and Bryce are led into the dungeons in handcuffs as well. But Mordok, our little sniffy sniffy bloodhound, tells Hunt that his scent is all wrong for an angel. Weird. Weird. The harpy is about to start torturing them, and the hind, 
bursts into the dungeon. And Rune does a little sniffy sniff into the air. (laughs) As he does with his fey abilities. Yeah. He catches her scent. And realizes that the hind is day! Fucking Weigold blew my mind. Actually, I did predict this. Let's talk about that later. (laughs) So the hind and the harpy start fighting each other. And Lydia slash the hind just straight up decapitates the harpy. Yeah. What? Casual. What? Rune is feeling mega betrayed. Fair. And Lydia starts to explain that she didn't actually kill Sophie. And she was the one who dispatched the signal for the Ocean Court to come, but they were too late. And she was the one who called the Ocean Court to save the Mystery Gang on the Mm -hmm. day that they stole the tech suits from Pippa. And Pollux comes bursting in. And Lydia's demeanor completely changes when Pollux is in there. And that's when Rune realizes that she has willingly put herself up for Pollux's love. Yeah. um, (laughs) To be his lover, basically. To keep feeding... The rebels' information. It's just really sad. It is. So, everyone that's in the dungeons is the hind. Baxian is also there. I don't know how he got there, but he shows up. I was so confused when he showed up. And then Rune, Hunt, and Bryce are there, and they're all taken into the Asteri throne room to talk to Regulus and basically like answer for all the shit that they've done. Bryce starts to just. She goes on this little conversation with Regulus, and she's having. She's trying to share all the information she learned in the dusk room during this conversation, and Regulus catches on to her and interrupts her to tell her that Cormac is dead, but Therian escaped, so that their heist, like, kind of was a failure. And then Regulus says that they should call the Autumn King to help with the torture, like, he tortured Rune growing up with his fire, and the reason that Rune has all those tattoos is to cover the scars from when his dad abused him. Fucking Autumn King. Sad. And- um, there's a description of, like, Hunt or Rune looking to Bryce, and they're talking about, like, how her, like, lips were white and her eyes were filled with rage and all of this stuff for her brother, which is just, of course it would be. He, Regulus reveals that Adis was not the one to come to Bryce's apartment that night when he went on that whole story about Thea and the Asteri, that it was actually Regulus who was pretending to be Adis and had, like, shifted forms, and that was the reason that he encouraged um, the Mr. Gang to join forces with Cormac in the first place to push them into these rebel sympathies so that the Asteri would have a reason to arrest all of them. The Mystery Gang. The Mystery Gang. Um, And Regulus also says that Celestina has been in on this and has been reporting to the Asteri as well. Absolute backstabbing traitorous bitch. Pissed. So Bryce makes a deal. She's basically begging with Regulus to let Hunt and Rune leave. And in exchange, she'll offer up herself and open up the portal. And she agrees. And she's like, can I at least say goodbye to my mate and to my brother? And during this time, like when they get dragged from the dungeons to the throne room, Lydia unlocks their Handcuffs. handcuffs. And they're all just like holding them together with their hands, which Regulus doesn't know. And Rune, during their little goodbye, he mind speaks to Bryce this little this plan, and that he tells her to take the star sword, and Rune is going to say, long live the queen, and that's like their code word. So they have their little goodbye moment. Rune says, long live the queen. Shit goes down. They drop their manacles. They start fighting. Bryce grabs the star sword. Hunt blasts her with his power and she lunges for one of the crystal gates that's in the throne room and Bryce teleports through the crystal gate thinking that she's going to go to hell because she wants 
help from Adis and the Princes of Hell to defeat the Assyrian. So Bryce lands in this mysterious world that she thought was hell, but it's not the it's not the way she thought hell would yeah, look. It's like it's grass and the sun is shining. And a man with these big leathery wings and scarred hands comes to her. Yeah. He finds her. She's trying to talk to him, but obviously something's going on. He blindfolds her and she keeps asking whether or not this is hell. Yeah. And she wants to see Prince Adis. Mm-hmm. So he takes her to a house. And I didn't know they had houses in hell. Neither Bryce did Bryce. Didn't either, yeah. But it's clear that there is a bit of a language barrier. Blindfold comes off. Mm-hmm. And she realizes she's with a group of fae. Also confusing, because we didn't think there were fae in hell. One of the fae looks like Fury to her, but they're all wearing old clothes. Yeah. And then one of the males pulls out this long-handed knife, Mm -hmm. which is the twin to the star sword. Yeah, they start, like, humming with power. And Bryce decides to speak in the old fae language and asks if she's in hell. And the smaller woman that reminded her of Fury Mm -hmm. tells her that she's not in hell. And that no one has spoken the old fae language in this world in 15,000 years. Weird. Then a dark-haired, winged male walks in. And Bryce thinks that it's Rune. Yeah. But Rune doesn't have wings, does no. he? Okay, I didn't think so. But he looks exactly like Rune, like spinning right. image. And Bryce says some more in the old language and says her name. Very last line of the book. Is this Rune-looking-ass man. Uh-huh. Says to her... Hello, Bryce Quinlan. My name is Recent. <laughs> book. Last line of the there's an epilogue. But last line of the book. Goosebumps. Ah! Goosebumps. A year plus later. What the I fuck? I hope you just feel my excitement building after Bryce fell through the world and I got to talk about it. What just happened? Also, are Bryce are Rune and Hunt okay? What's going on in the Assyrian Palace? What is happening? Let's talk about the epilogue and then we can come to that. Okay. Tell the people about the epilogue. The epilogue, I boil it down to a singular sentence. Good. It's that Ethan breaks the wolf mystic out of... The astronomer's place. Yeah, the astronomer's place. Book ends. No mention of the rest of our mystery gang. What? Yeah. What? I want to start by saying... I don't know if any of you were part of the great SJM Crescent City 2 spoiler gate of 2022... (laughs) I was, unfortunately. I was not. I Which is shocking for me. Well, you see, it was an accident. Because I had found out that morning. Like, I was seeing stuff that people were like, oh my god, someone... It was like... This is before I was on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It was like two days before the book was supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. And I was on TikTok and I saw people talking about the fact that someone had leaked the last page. Yeah. And I was like, absolute motherfucker. That's so yeah. rude. Then I'm sitting in the drive-thru line at our local Dunkin' Donuts just trying to get me a nice cup of coffee. <laughs> and I open up Instagram. That Dunkin' was cursed from it hell. Was. <laughs> it's the worst. So many bad things happened at that yeah. Dunkin'. But I open it up. And the first thing on my Instagram, because I followed the hashtag Akatar, mm-hmm. uh, like, hashtag mm-hmm. on Instagram. And mm-hmm. so I get, like, recommended things based on that. Someone had hashtagged the last page with Agatar, so it showed up in my feed. Mm. And it was literally, like, I opened the app up, and it's the first thing I see. There is no getting away from it. Yeah. And so I was looking at it, I was like, what is this? And at about the time that I'm realizing What's what happening? it is, I see, hello, Bryce Quinlan, my name is Reeson. Ugh. I was so mad. Oh, I would have, 
I would have raised So let me just say, if you are, or if you know the person who spoiled the end of the book... We're coming for you. Fuck you. I hope you end up with someone else's toenails in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how passionately I feel. Ew. I, on the other hand... I made, after this, I took great care to protect Emma from spoilers because it just wasn't really fair. <laughs> so we had been reading, we had a little reading party when the book first came out, but then we were at different places in our reading, but we were going to finish, we had like, it was the weekend or something, we were going to read together again. And you were probably 80 pages ahead of me, so you get to this part and I'm 80 pages behind. And I don't, like, when I first got the book, I initially thought about going to the last page to see if it was true Mm. and I was convinced not to do that Mm. so I get to like I get you know the last couple pages of the SJN book you know shit's about to go down I exited the room yeah she went to her bedroom I was sitting in the living room because I didn't I didn't want Emma to have any sort of reaction I could just hear I was like, oh god. And then I came out of my room and I sat on the couch, faced Emma, and waited for her to finish the book. I would like to say that I predicted this. You did predict a multiverse. I did predict a multiverse. And I predicted, my book predictions have been spot on recently. I used to think I was a bad predictor. You were only good for this book, let's be real. I put together some other good predictions. Elizabeth knows. Okay, well... I didn't read those books. I can't comment on that. Thank you. Um, don't slander my name. But I, when I, when Brune first gets interrupted, when his mind speak conversation first gets interrupted with Day by the male and he sees like these rough, like sexual things happening, I was like, it's Lydia. It's the hind. It's the hind and Pollock. I know exactly who it is. And I texted you this thinking because you didn't know. Mm-mm. And I was texting her my theory and I was like, this could be a crackpot theory, but just like, hear me out. Here's my evidence. And you're like, no, it can't be. It and can't like, be. I got to that part in the book because I was ahead of you, and I read it, and I was like, this fucking bitch predicted it. I was like, no fucking... I was so <laughs> shook when I got to that point, and it was like, Lydia's Agent Day. I was like, are you fucking kidding? No. And then I, I was honestly more mad <laughs> that you were right than anything else. I was like, I'm gonna have to look this bitch in the face. And she's gonna be like, I knew who Agent Daybreak was. He he. <laughs> year plus later, still saying that. A year plus later, I'm still holding back my fists. Well, I had suspicions that a multiverse would be coming, especially after reading both Silver Flames and Kingdom of Ash. Yeah. Because there were some hints, and then in this book, you know, Pete Brain doesn't usually pick up on the hints, but in this book, SGM was. She was laying the groundwork. She was the mastermind. And there are different parts that I picked up, like, when Danica found the alternate bloodline, and they're like, and then when she starts talking to Regulus, I'm like, oh, we're having a multiverse moment. But I didn't anticipate the multiverse in this explicit of a way. Okay, beyond the multiverse moment, what are your overall thoughts of the book? I think it's really hard for me because I'm just so caught up in the ending, but right. I want to, like, reflect on the rest of the book. I don't know about the whole book in general. I think I really like the last, like, 200... <clears throat> past, like, the mating ceremony, or, like, uh, Celestina's mating ceremony, mm-hmm. I think I like the book more. Yes, I would agree. That's when the action picks up, I feel like, anyways, but... And we condense the plot lines down significantly. Right, and... Or they just, like, come together naturally. Right. 
I love the ending of SJM books because I love how she makes the endings come together so well. And I also, I really do enjoy the mystery gang. I like all the characters that we get. And I like the character. (laughs) I'm actually really sad about Cormac. I was shocked. Do you know what I kind of equate his death to in my mind? And this is going to seem kind of dramatic talking about me. To serious? No. Oh, no, not good. serious black. Good. That was earth shattering. Okay. Uh, well, this is also earth shattering for me, but in a different way. Um, Finnick O'Dare. Oh, That's kind of the vibe. Am I wrong? I don't, honestly, I'm gonna, I don't remember enough to have okay. feelings about Finnick O'Dare. That's what I remember. That's what I, I mean, obviously Finnick gets eaten by the lizards and it's different. But <laughs> obviously. Like, <laughs> it's Famously just, so. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It had that energy to me. Loyal listeners, if you have any thoughts about that, if it too reminded you of Finnick, let me know because it don't. just yeah, do let me know because it just really came to me the first time I read the book and I was like, this is like his little Finnick Look, moment. If Sam Claflin needs to be in another book remake, he can play Cormac. Look, Sam Claflin can do anything. <laughs> Look, he really can. After he was Billy. Anyways, <laughs> too many um, books. Too many books. I really like. I like this like passion project we get from Ethan. Yeah. About the wolf mystic. And it's going to have important implications. Oh, definitely. And I, I just think it's sweet. Like, I think I might have said this in the last episode. In this book, Ethan just developed such a soft spot for me. Yeah. Or, like, I developed such a soft bo- yeah. spot for Ethan. And he definitely, like, he's a little brother character. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like when you get those kinds of characters in the books, you're just like, anything to protect this precious little marshmallow child at all costs. Yeah. Like, that's Double how I feel about them. Ethan. Yeah. yeah. If anything happens to Ethan, I'm fucking coming for the rest of the book. I'm sh- shredding it up. Oh, okay. Not that I feel passionately about it. <laughs> Not at all. I'm really upset about the fact that... I don't know if you talked about this. I don't think we did. Hmm? That Hunt gets his slave tattoo. Yeah. That, I, didn't, that, I didn't know where to add it in. It was heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's like the same time that Bryce goes through the gate, Hunt talks about feeling his power being tamped down. And they're, yeah, they're literally giving him the slave tattoo on his forehead again. Yeah. But what happens to Rune? What happened? Does Baxian get one as well? Does Lydia get one? No, because they don't know about Lydia. That's true, they don't. They know about Baxian, but they don't know about Lydia. That's true. Um, And I think that's gonna gonna be important, because she's gonna be, like, not, like, their advocate, but, like... Double agent, still. Yeah, she's gonna protect them in a way. I think what we learned about Rune and the Autumn King. Oh! That. Oh! Heartbreak. I know. Let me tell you. <sighs> I just said that I wanted to wrap Ethan in bubble wrap, but if something happens to Rune, you're going to have to sedate me. <laughs> I won't even be able to shred the book because you're going to have to use like a horse tranquilizer <laughs> to put me under for like three weeks. Yeah. If, if anything happens to Rune, when this book comes out, we will no longer be um, Rooney's who read. So why would you say that? I'm just saying, if something happens and I'm like at lab and Rune dies, I don't know what's gonna I'm gonna have to send someone to check on you. <laughs> get like a face circle. You're gonna send it to voicemail and you're gonna get like three more and you're gonna be like, like hold I'm on. fucking trying to pipette my PCR blade. Leave me alone. Hold on guys, I gotta step out for a minute. I think something's wrong at home. Zoe, what's going on? Rune! <laughs> Hang up. <laughs> I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with you right now. I wouldn't do that, actually, because that would be spoiling it for you, probably. Yeah. I if you spoil this book for I me... I would never! Oh, my God. Look, as someone who had it spoiled for me... I know. I am a spoiler queen, so... I'm gonna kill you. 
If Crescent City 3 gets spoiled for me, horse tranquilizer. <laughs> Sedate me. Oh, I am... This is moving beyond... Well, I guess it's still related to the book. I am beyond, 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 beyond excited to do our Crescent City Theories episode. I am too. I feel like it's going to be a new level of unhinged, which is saying a lot for us. <laughs> yeah. So, last week... We've obviously we plan our episodes out a little bit in advance. Not always, Mm-mm, but these no, we've been more in advance. So last week I came out into the living room to talk to Zoe, and I was like, "Hi, I need something." I was to like do. trying to cook my fucking dinner. Had a long day at school, just like low social battery. I came out and I was like, "Do you want to plan our Crescent City Theories episode?" <laughs> she was like, "Okay." And so I'm just sitting there on the counter, like manically typing, just shouting things out, and she's like, "Uh huh." <laughs> Uh-huh. I feel like it's really what my parents must have felt like when I was, like, a teenager. And I'd be like, Finnick just died! Oh my god! And Gagas is doing it! And they were probably just like, I just worked a whole fucking day at a job. And you're out here bitching to me about a book? These fictional characters? But I, mostly straight off the dome, wrote four pages of notes. I have not contributed jack shit. So we're going to make tentatively two Crescent City Theories episodes. For maximum unhingedness. TBD to be divided. TBD to be divided. To be divided. Oh! (laughs) Interesting. One critique of the book. Too many plot lines. Too many plot lines. And they do come together... And I see the importance mostly. of them. Yeah, mostly. But, like, the plot, in, plot line with Emil ends midway through the book. Yeah, it just... Maybe it'll pick up in the next book. But also, there was this one, like, minor plot line that we cut from the book. Mm-hmm. But Emma was telling me about it today. <laughs> and I was absolutely convinced that she was pulling an April Fool's Day prank on me. Like, <laughs> belated. Yeah, it's the day after April Fool's. And I got one of our other friends pretty badly oh yesterday. Oh, my God. I told her that Speak Now Taylor's version had dropped. Jesus. It was bad. But I really thought that this was Emma's way of, like, avenging our friend. <laughs> because she was talking about this plot point, and I was like, oh, this did not happen. This isn't real. It very much did happen. It did happen. I love Crescent City, and I've said this before, that I do love it, and I do love Bryson Hunt, and Bryce specifically. But also, at the same time, like, this book... It I was think a lot. It was a lot. The beginning... Interesting, it sets up so, some stuff. I love the character development, but the last, like, 200 pages is really where it's at. Like, after it the mating really ceremony, is. that's, like, where the book hits its stride. So what I'm talking about, I love Crescent City. I love Crescent City 1, and I love the implications that Crescent City 2 has for the rest of SJM. One last thing that I'll bring up. This is a reaction. I just kind of thought about it. Mm-hmm. When they're at the mating ceremony... Mm-hmm. And Bryce and Hunt open up the closet, and Celestina and Hypaxia are in there. I was like, <gasps> yeah. "What?" Like, Shook. it really. St- I don't. I don't know how important that's going to be in the future. I don't know because Celestina's kind of like traitorous. Yeah, and Hypaxia is like still engaged to Rune. Yeah, and she's the queen of the witches too. Right, but she's worried about her safety, and like Rune's not there anymore. There's so many, so many things. But also, I was just like that to me. Was an absolute left fucking field plot. Yes, I was like, was whoa, hello. Field. Because I I think I reread it probably like two or three times to be like, who is in the club? Whose boobs are out right now? You get the energy that Celestina's like not driving with her mate, which she's in an arranged marriage. She's 
you know, probably not just. I wouldn't it. jive with that. No. But when they realize, when Regulus is telling the story and realize that Celestina betrayed her, or betrayed them, Celestina said to Hunt that love is a trap. And Hunt thinks back on that in the moment when, like, Regulus is revealing that. So, SJM, the mastermind that she is, setting it up. Yeah, we fall for it. Every, every goddamn time. time. And every time I say I'm not falling for it this time. And, I and then I do. Overall, this book is a cataclysmic shift in the SJM universe. I give the book itself, like, a 6 out of 10. Out but of 10? the last 200 pages... Or like from the like the mating ceremony on. Yeah. Nine out of ten. I would agree. Those are the roommates who read certified thoughts. <laughs> this podcast has <laughs> been certified by roommates who read. Well, we're gonna go order a pizza now. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> see you next time. That's the Gen Z in me. Don't pour that on me. I've evolved with time. Cowan. Yep, that's fine.